As we continue through the Gospel of John, the question arises, what if they say no? Find out on today's Bible Study Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Bible Study Podcast. My name is Justin, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. You just heard a submission from Stephen Bradley of Richmond, Virginia, who's one of our many faithful listeners that have gotten in touch with us, and and in this case has sent us a song to play. You know, as we you may remember, you can uh, be just like Stephen and send me a song in MP3 or WAV format, and I'll try my best to put it in on the podcast someday. So. Uh, be listening at the end of today's podcast to hear from another friend of the ministry. His name is Marcus Bradley, as you may remember. And, and I just want to remind you that his CD is available. Just search for him on the internet. and It'd be a great Christmas gift to friends or family and a great way to support a guy who's getting his ministry started and really trying to get out there. We'll be hearing one of his great songs at the end of this podcast. But I just want to thank you guys for uh, continuing to support the ministry. I want to thank you for continuing to contribute through things like songs and your prayers and stories that help us to determine what direction we want to go in. And just want to thank you guys for, for helping out. And today we'll be finishing up chapter 6 of John. Well, we'll almost be finishing up chapter 6 of John. So we have a great time ahead of us, I believe. But before we get to our study, I'd like to remind you that you can contact me anytime at Bible Study Podcast Justin at gmail.com. And I'll try my hardest to get back to you as soon as possible. Also, I'd like to ask you to be in prayer for my wife and I this week. On Saturday morning, we'll be going with a group made up of about four churches to visit an orphanage, and we're going to just try to show these orphans the love of Christ as we approach Christmas time. So please pray for our safe travel. Pray that the kids would have a good time and really feel welcomed, feel warm. And uh, also be in prayer for, for us as we visit a Christmas party for my wife's workplace majority of the people at her work are pretty hardcore skeptics, so just pray that we would be able to have a positive influence and be ready to answer any questions that may come up. With that said, let's open our time together in prayer. Our Father, we ask that you would forgive us for the times when we fail you. Help us to emulate your Son in all that we do, and help us to hear from you tonight as we open your word together. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we begin today in John 6, verse 60, let's take a moment to kind of catch up. You know, as we remember from last time, Jesus has stunned the people by saying that for anyone to live, he must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now, with this observation in mind, I, I want to take you on a bit of a side road, but it is a road that is still on our journey through John. Before we can venture down this road, though, I, I want you to think with me for a moment about what's been going on here. What has Jesus been doing? Well, practically speaking, he's been sharing the gospel with the people, the good news, that through him there's life eternal. Knowing this, I want us to look at ourselves for a moment and really think about the situations that we often encounter as Christians sharing the gospel. I want you to think about the last time that you shared the gospel with someone. Have you ever shared Christ with another? If you have, I'd like you to 
take a moment and think about the last time you've done so. Kind of remember the situation. Remember how it happened. Remember what went on. If you haven't, I'd like to ask you just to think for a second. Why haven't you? Were you scared? Was there something else going on? What What's holding you back so far? And Just think about this for a moment or two. Now, I want you to think about what was going through your mind as you think about this. If you're anything like me, one of the first thoughts that may have gone through your head was that I don't share the gospel because I might get rejected. They might tell me they don't need Jesus. They might never talk to me again. They might shoot me a question that I don't know the answer to. Or they might tell me that they don't believe in things they don't see. Or they don't believe in God or any other number of things. In other words, there, there are lots of reasons why we may struggle with sharing the gospel to those around us. Well, I think we can learn something very valuable from our text today in this regard. I believe that we all, as Christians, would love to see others come to Christ. And if we knew we'd be successful, I think it'd be a no-brainer. I think we'd all share the gospel freely. But I think one of the biggest questions that arises in my mind is, what if they say no? What if they don't accept Christ? Well, this is exactly the scene that we'll see today as we open up our Bibles to John chapter 6, starting at verse 60. And here, after Jesus has been preaching about his identity as the true bread of life, we read that many of his disciples, as a result of what he has said, say that this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? In other words, the people have heard the gospel presented by Christ himself, and they think to themselves, this is hard teaching. Who in the world can understand it? Jesus, being aware that this talk is going on, stands and answers them, as we shall read in verses 61 through 65. But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you, that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Jesus basically begins by asking, Does this cause you to stumble? Does this offend you? Do you not get it? You know, he continues on, What if you see me ascend back to heaven, where I was before? Would that offend you too? Now, parenthetically, I'd like to mention that this is exactly what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 1, 23, when he notes that he preaches Christ, which is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. But do you follow what Jesus begins his argument with? Knowing that they were discontented, that some are maybe offended, he doesn't avoid the elephant in the room, but he points it out. And he says, hey, does what I'm telling you offend you? Does it bother you? Are you uncomfortable with it? Having set out this challenge of sorts, Jesus continues by explaining, It's the Spirit who gives life. It's not the flesh. In fact, he tells them, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. In other words, it's not your ability that allows you to understand Christ's teaching, but rather it is the Spirit which allows you to get it. The problem, as he mentions in verse 64, is that you don't believe. Now, John inserts here for us that Jesus already knew who they were. As God, he was well aware of who would not believe in him. But he continues, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's been granted him from the Father. 
So to summarize, Jesus is basically saying that his teaching is hard to the people because they don't believe in him. They haven't placed their trust in him. So the Spirit does not reveal the truth of the message in their life. You see, there is a divine side in that the Father is drawing people to the Son, but the people must believe in order to understand. Now, of course, as should be expected, many of the disciples left in verse 66. John says they were no longer willing to walk with him, kind of picking up on this motif of the true Christian walks in faith. He writes, they were not walking with him anymore. See, this is exactly what Jesus had told them. You won't get it in the flesh. These are the words of the Spirit. But having not believed, they left, rejecting the gospel of truth. Now, I want to make a few notes here, if I could. First, Jesus' message is not saying that there is no place for reason or thinking. He's not saying you can't know what he is saying. He's not calling you to agnosticism or some sort of mysticism that you have to get this mystical feeling to understand. What he is saying is that there is only so much you can know with your sin-tainted mind. You're finite. You won't understand everything. In fact, you won't understand how Christ's flesh and blood atones for your sin without the help of the Holy Spirit. After all, this is what the Holy Spirit was sent to us for. He was sent to reveal all things. This is not to say that human wisdom or knowledge is folly. It is only to say that it's not enough. Your knowledge can only take you so far, friends. You must turn to God. I also want to mention something here about timing, and this is what will lead us back to where we started today. Notice with me that there is a sense in which one may reject the gospel at a certain point because they're not ready. They've not been granted entrance by the Father yet. Now, I don't want to take this much farther than that because I'm not trying to start debates here. But I want to mention that one's acceptance of Christ may come but it may not be now. The timing that we want may not be the timing that is set up by the Father. And I think this leads us back to where we started. Think back with me about your experiences sharing Christ with others. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever feared sharing the gospel because you feel that you will be rejected? You see, here we see people hearing the message from God incarnate, from the one who is telling the complete truth because he is the truth. He is the literal word of God, as we read back in John 1. He gave them as clear of a message as possible. He told them the full counsel of God, yet they still reject him and walk away. Now what should this tell us? What should this let us know about when we share the gospel with others? Because as Christians, I think it's something we are to do. We're called to go and make disciples. Well, the first step in making disciples is to make sure that they believe in Christ. Well, I think this shows us a couple things. I think we can take a couple of points out of this passage and draw them on ourselves. First, I think we see that the people are not rejecting the message because of the content. It's not because the gospel is not true that the people rejected it but it's because they didn't believe it. Now, I think this is key for us to remember because a rejection of Christ by others does not mean that he's not true. It just means they don't believe him. A rejection of Christ by your friend does not mean that Christ's sacrifice did not really cover you for your sin. It just means your friend 
is not believing it. Second, I think we see that the deliverer of the message is not the most important part of the equation either. After all, Jesus himself presented the message, and the people still not to believe. So for us, as feeble sinners saved by grace alone, we must remember that it is not our ability, or even our lack thereof, that prohibits the gospel of Christ from being spread. Now I should make a small note here about one thing, a little clarifying point. This does not excuse us from trying our hardest to make our message the simplest to understand at all. We should seek to make our message understandable, not watered down, but clear to all who would hear us. And this will take practice, and we'll talk about this in a second, but this may take you working with a friend. But our presentation should be clear. When we present Christ, it should be understandable. We're not just giving these abstract truths. We're giving truths that literally change lives. And so we should be clear. We should be understandable. However, we need not think that only trained evangelists can share Christ with others. For it's not the messenger who ensures that the receiver will accept him. It is only his job to deliver the messenger. I mean, that's why we've all heard the saying, don't kill the messenger. Well, there's truth in the matter. The messenger is not the one who originated the message. The guy delivering the gospel is not the originator of the gospel. The gospel is what's important. It's not necessarily the one spreading the gospel. Now, we'll get back into this a little bit more deeply in a second, but lastly, I think this passage reminds us all of one thing. It's not the duty of the messenger to ensure that the person becomes a Christian. It's only your duty to tell the good news. Now, where did I come up with that, you may think? Well, the answer is that we're told that no one comes to Christ unless the Father has granted it to him. In other words, there's nothing that you and I can do in the matter. It's strictly business between that person and God. So the question becomes, what are we to do then? What is our role at all? Well, I think the answer to that is simple. We're to go and tell the good news of Christ and let God handle the results. We're to go and sow the seed and not worry about what comes out of it. We are always to be open to times when we may share the good news of Christ. We may witness to one person and they come to Christ on the spot. But we may talk with another who totally rejects the thought of the time. But friends, that's not really our concern. Our concern is that we tell the good news, that we spread the truth of Christ, and we're available for those in need. You see, just as Jesus did, we're told to share the word of God with people. For these are the words that are of spirit and of life. We have no power to save anyone, and we should not be so arrogant as to think that we are the sole reason a person comes to Christ. The truth of the matter is that if we're fortunate enough to see a person come to Christ, it's been a time when God has allowed us to be present with His dealings in that person's life. We do not get the credit for that person's soul, but rather we must give all glory to God, who in His mercy has given that person life everlasting. You see, friends, I, I think there's a lesson to be learned here in seeing these disciples up and leave Jesus on the basis of his teaching. I think we see a truth that is both depressing and encouraging at the same time. The depressing fact of the matter is that no matter how good of a job you do in sharing the gospel with someone, they may still reject the gospel. You may be the best speaker on the planet, the most convincing salesman on the globe, the best evangelist on the circuit, but people may still reject Christ. Why is that, you may ask? I mean, aren't I gifted? Aren't, 
aren't haven't I worked? You know, haven't I done what it takes to be the best? Well, the question why is because they must accept Christ on their own. You can't do it for them. You don't make the call for their lives. We kind of talked about this back in John 1. Their decision is just that. It's their decision. They must believe that Jesus Christ came to earth and died a terrible death so that his blood could cover the sins we have committed so that we may stand before a holy God, not as the sinner destined for hell, which we deserve, but as one to whom has been accredited righteousness on Christ's behalf. He has made the way for us to be saved and have eternal life. One must believe that, or he cannot be saved, no matter how good of a presentation you may give. However, I think there is hope that can be found in this message as well. That hope is that the words of the gospel are spirit and truth. It's the truth of Christ's work that has the power. It doesn't have to be us. We don't have to be the best preacher, the best teacher. We just have to do our best in sharing the gospel. We just have to do what we can do to show the world that Christ lives within us and so we are changed. We're a different person. Further, we don't have to feel down if we're rejected in sharing Christ. We should look at those times of rejection as a building point in that person's life. Maybe they didn't accept Christ today. Maybe they aren't ready to follow Him yet. But they have at least heard the message. And they at least know that they can turn to you in the future when questions may arise. Who knows? You may have planted a seed that years down the road will take root in that person's life. But the important thing was, you did all you could do. So as we begin to wrap up, what are some things that we can do as we go to share the gospel of Christ with people? Well, first of all, I want to encourage you to study. Learn your Bible. Learn what God has given you in it. Apply it to your life. Study apologetics. Learn what you believe and the reason why you believe it. And then learn to defend it. Be aware of the culture around you. Be aware of the common objections that may arise to the message of Christ. Be prepared to answer objections that may arise. Practice answering those objections with close friends. You know, Get a group of close friends together. All of you who are believers, gather and practice these times so that when the time comes for you to share the gospel and one of those questions pops up like, I can't see God. How can I know He's real? Or, how can you really know the New Testament is accurate? You're quoting to me out of the New Testament. How do you know it's accurate? You know, Go over those questions so that you'll be ready to answer it. I mean, in short, be ready. Do what it takes to prepare yourself as much as you can. Pray that God will help you to know what to study, to know what is important, to know what to remember. And as I said, there's no substitute for practice. There's no substitute for what a good friendship can do in which you're just practicing with one another. Maybe one of you act like the skeptic. One of you act like the person on the street and ask the other questions. Ask them questions like, well, who is Jesus anyway? Why should I believe in him? Give it a shot. Practice it. See if you can answer it. Second, I want to encourage you to live a life based around love. Now, of course, we know that we're all called to love one another and we're called to love our neighbors and so forth, but I think that we often kind of store this away just as head knowledge and don't let it get past that. I want to encourage you to strive to live by a standard of love. Help others as much as you get the chance. Show grace as much as you can. When someone makes a mistake, show them grace. Don't just run them out. Don't, don't chew them out for everything that they do wrong. But show them mercy. Help those who don't know what they're doing. Do whatever it takes to let people know 
that you care about them and that you want what is best for them. Then, out of your labor of love, you may be able to share the gospel in ways you never knew. You have made it clear to them that you're telling them about Jesus because he's the best for them, because you want the best for them. Next, I want to ask you to take the time to build relationships with people. Be a friend to anyone you can, as this may become the platform by which you may share the gospel with that person. Build trust with others and show them how a Christian truly lives. Do your job to the best of your ability. Do it to the highest level. Be the leader of your company. Do the best work possible so that they may see, hey, this is how a real Christian lives. This is how Christians do it. They're not just people over there harping or preaching on the side. They do the best possible. They care. They're trustworthy. You can talk to them. Make yourself available. Take time. You know, Talk to anyone you can, whether it be the co-worker that sits at the desk next to you or the janitor that cleans out your trash can. Talk to everyone. And finally, I want to encourage you, be courageous. Don't be afraid to tell people the truth. And that truth is that Jesus loves them so much, He died for them that they may be saved. Don't be afraid to be rejected. In fact, expect that from time to time you will be rejected. But don't take it personally. Know that all you can do is share the good news with them. It's they that must accept Christ. So work hard. Do your best. But don't be afraid. Do as much as you can do and let God handle it. Wow, I, I feel like we've really covered a lot today. And I know that we, we've probably just barely touched the surface of this topic. But if there are any kind of questions, any kind of comments, any kind of stories you'd like to share, please feel free to email me. That email again is BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com. But don't take this as a simple call just to be the same. Take this as a challenge to live differently. Take this as a challenge to share the gospel. But until we meet again, friends, may God bless and keep you. I'm sitting at the streetlight waiting for the light to turn green. But nothing's happening, I can't wait no Just like that way I can't wait no